Uh, hi, this is Zach Weiner again, um, author of What We Never Had, uh, here on Rare Bird Radio with my guest Alex Ebert, lead singer of Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, uh, solo artist, um, literal rock star. Alex, it's a delight to be talking with you. How are you doing? <laughs> I like that literal, literal rock. Band, right <laughs> yeah, uh, it's good to be talking with you too, man. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of uh, the last time it was. I mean, so I'll let our listeners know right now that Alex and I uh, went to elementary school together and and middle school and high school. But I wasn't certain like when, uh, how long you were at Oakwood oh, for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I went to uh, all of uh, I went to all of Oakwood. So you were Oakwood seventh through twelfth grade. I think the last time I saw you was um, in my early mid twenties. At some point, uh, at the chimney sweep. That's my last memory. Oh my God! Remember that that wow. dive? Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. Now what? Now was that? That was an accidental running into, right? Yeah, accidental running into somebody. I remember having a conversation because I remember talking books and talking education with you at that point and being like, wow, I didn't know. Like, I, I just feel like it had been years since we connected. And, I, you know, you, you, you have some impression of somebody that's like frozen back in time and then it evolves suddenly. And, you you know, so I, I um, yeah, I remember t- I, I, like somebody I toasted to like... Sleep. You remember that? You remember that night, or you remember that spot? <laughs> no, I remember that night. I think because yeah. I think I've only been there once. And um, wow! All right. And uh, and it was the most. Those were those were the most dismal times of my life. Um, yeah. And I was completely on drugs, and yeah. if I'm not mistaken, and um, and the chimney sweep has this dire, depressing. Like real dive, divey quality to it that I yeah. remember. Just like it, just it's just very much like a middle tier whiskey bar sort of like um, smell to it. That uh, middle tier is generous, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fairly generous. But it, but, but that people that that had such like a uh, like I live here sort of vibe to all the people that that were that were there. That I remember it depressing me extra. Um, <laughs> when, when I was there. But wait, so there was a there was a there was a cheersing that went on. But there was, I mean, there was a somebody said to all my friends, and it was like oh, I don't know, somebody, gotcha. one of us had just seen Factotum or something, and we started talking about Bukowski, and uh, and then the merits of progressive education. I don't know how the, I think we were both pretty wasted. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was it was a darker time in my life as well. Um, nice, but uh, but yeah, it was a, it was it was a memorable connection somehow, um, and something I'd thought of years later, and and also when I was like, who should I get to blurb the book? Who do I know? You know, uh, and and remembering you know, I guess just that you were a reader. Um, yeah. Yeah, my education really started after I dropped out of college. Um, mm-hmm. 
I started mm-hmm. I started doing what I suspected I would end up doing, which is um, become more interested in in being smart once no one was telling me to be smart. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, um, it was cool. So you were teaching at at CCS for for four years then. Yeah. Yeah, I started. I was working as a tutor um, at this place nearby that had some CCS kids, and then through working with them, they discovered that I was doing that work and had some part-time thing open, and I ended up joining them for a little while, and, and then becoming full-time for a few years. And that really, I mean, that really clarified a lot of things for me, and kind of rescued me from whatever I was mired in, and. And at some point, I uh, I was writing as well, and realized that I needed to devote more time to writing. I it felt it, it's it was difficult to to go home. I had there was a lot of guilt because as a teacher, you you feel like all your energy and creativity and talent should be poured into lesson plans, especially at a school that's progressive like that, and where you you get to shape your own curriculum. And I would I would do as much of that as I could, but then also be uh, spending hours in the evening writing my own stories and stuff. <laughs> Just not getting enough sleep, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Did you end up, did you end up with a, a bit of insomnia that, from, from not sleeping? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always been an anxiety guy. So that, that, um, that, that tend, tendency to work late into the night and then like be afraid about not getting enough sleep and just that even that simple little bit of anxiety there that little be cycle. To, that does it yeah yeah it that's was, the trick it was, it was tough I love uh, yeah I had a number of years with uh, full blown clinical terrible insomnia um, but Oof. it was just all from yeah working working too much it'll kill you was it was it like odd hours and different jobs was it a patchwork thing or did you have a did you have Uh, a job were you on like a career path at any point yeah yeah it was mostly (laughs) uh it was mostly mixing uh mixing mixing music is probably Mm -hmm. the most tedious uh barrage of self-detrimental work you could ever (laughs) find for yourself um, yeah. just the amount of noise coming at you for the amount of hours. It's like 18 hour days and, you know, ending uh, at 3 a.m. Uh, just not having nailed it and money is wasting. Anyway, and then yeah. you're going right out on a tour and then next thing you know, you have, you have full blown, your adrenals are just shot to hell and you can't, you cannot sleep. Even if you're sleeping, you're not sleeping. And, um, right. Yeah, it was awful, man. It ruined it. It ruined everything in my life. Relationships, like fucking <laughs> health, everything. Um, all was that back in too hard? Is that like uh, I'm a robot days, or is that? No, that was actually as recently as uh, started about five years ago, and and uh, oh, okay. finally like kicked that all to the curb about a year ago. Yeah, it was yeah. a saga. Wow. I was at the height of my the height of my my physical powers. <laughs> no no reason why I should be in that position, but uh, but I was. You know what it is? It's pure mm. it's pure ego. I didn't want anyone else to mix the album. Um, yeah. And uh, I just didn't think anyone else anyone else could do it as good as I could, mm. and so I just and that might be true. Um, but 
at, at, you know, risking my own sort of like health and well-being in order to, I think there comes a point when obsession with, uh, with sort of greatness in your work is, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it? Uh, for, anyway, those sort of like, uh, diminishing returns. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Like with your book, well, yeah, you, I, how I, many, re- how many rewrites did you do on this book? There are a couple, a, uh, a couple, uh, relatively big ones, I guess. Um, Sounds I fair. think I, I really, I, I empathize with your plight there and your, um, and your perfectionism. I, I think I, I, I guess, uh, I, I do go the other way with it. I, I, when I finish something at this point, it's, um, I'm eager to just put it away for a while and have, I feel too close to it to have real perspective. I feel like, um, you know, whatever, like I need somebody else to recognize also, uh, what's in there to sort of clarify for me what, you know, what, whatever it's expressing, whatever's resonating with other people that becomes really important. Um, because I don't know, you know, at the end of a year or something like that, you're you're just they're just words on a page, you know. Um, right. I, now I feel like music. I it might be more like on a that's like sentence level work. If you're if you're talking about mixing, you know, that's like hitting the right note with with each word and having. Right. If right. you get it's down like into the like minutia. Mm-hmm. If you get down in the minutia, yeah, you like, could get lost there forever. <laughs> yeah, if you're like, if it's like cadence, cadence level minutia, um, yeah, you know, and and the placing of a vowel or syllable, but that's cool, man. Yeah. I mean, so so you wrote the story. I think that's you know because I write a lot, but um, mm-hmm. I get so wound up and fascinated with my own my own writing that I'll go back and start rewriting before I've even finished the chapter. Yeah. you know, it's just a couple of paragraphs and I'll start perfecting those paragraphs before I've even yeah. spit out the general purpose. Um, yeah. do you, do you, so do you just sort of like push plow through and get to the end and then rewrite or do you find yourself? I mean, I, I do. Oh, I sweep up for sure. I just, I, I find there are certain days where I'm like, well, this is clearly just what I'm doing today. And then I just got to right. make sure that the the next day I wake up and and just plow ahead. I need I need new. I need to draft. Drafting right. is I mean it's my my least favorite part of it. I love revising. Um, it's Ooh. it's really fun to to tinker with things. Um, oh, interesting. Now, you don't enjoy. I know the I, first push. <laughs> you enjoy messing it, with the first push. I enjoy it at moments. There's like a, a thrill, an exaltation that can that can result after like you've been going for a couple hours and you've produced all these new pages and 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 you wrote some shit that that maybe you couldn't have tinkered down to that. You know, some a couple sentences right. came out in ways that you're surprised right. and delighted by. Um, right. So there's a thrill afterward, but I you know during. And, and especially preceding it, it's like, and I see it in my students too. And I have to remind myself uh, not to become impatient with them, you know, like, cause I, I'll be there 
for part, a lot of my work, I'm sitting there while people are drafting and I, I want them to get to a certain place before the hour is up or whatever, before our time is done. And I, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me too. It's fucking hard to sit down and, and have that, have that blank page staring at you. It's hard to muster the energy and say like, I'm going to commit to this act right now. Oh, totally. You know, right. and, in my home, that's the moment at which I'll go do the dishes or whatever, or go, you know, make sure to see if my son needs a new diaper or whatever. I, like anything um, you can do, you mean to not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's snacking. I'm always just, I'm like, snack. Maybe maybe I need another snack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. Do you have rituals that you do that get you like into the zone? That get you <clears throat> well, started? yeah, I mean, with music, it's music I'm addicted to. So music, yeah, music is not a problem. I, I actually have to keep myself from the studio in order to balance my yeah. life a little bit. Because um, I'll just wander in and just start. Um, yeah, even if I'm totally uninspired, uh, it doesn't matter because I, I just know. I know what happens when you start just going, kind of like writing, where you just like force yourself. Um, yeah. But with other things, um, yeah, especially with writing, and, and I got to say, with writing lyrics, I have to force yeah. myself because it's so fun. Honestly, if I could just put out my my loopy deepy deep, like zupa beat guitar, you know, my scatting um, yeah. over over my songs which is generally how lyrics start anyway. And then, you know, you have a melody and then you got nonsense words because who gives a shit about the English anyway? And <laughs> you just put all that together and you got music that's really right from your baby soul. And then you have to sit down and be like, all right, I have to make this really intellectually solid and buttress this with a number of fascinating, um, you know, like uh, uh, visual visualizations down on word and really trigger people's minds here and all of a sudden i put all of these that's when really the pressure comes on is like lyrics like what are you going to say yeah and then i have to sit down and actually do it and it's a real pain in the ass actually (laughs) yeah 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 unless you know you get those rare moments where you know exactly what you want to say and you have the words and they came to you before you even wrote the song you're like i need to say that and that's that's right that's fun but that's so it's it's fairly rare you know yeah do you have a? Do you feel like as an artist, there's a, there's a there's a, like a, a plan for where we go from this moment in time? Has anything changed, or is it just? Do you feel like you're on the right trajectory and you stay, you stay with it? Um, I mean, I think that, I think, Trump, <laughs> to drop his name finally into the conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Trump has has given us um, uh, direction. I think he's, he's foisted direction upon us, um, yeah. which is cool, you know? And uh, I've always sort of suspected that that was the country I was living in, and so most of my art, uh, even if it was just my paintings or my angsty, annoying draw in I'm a Robot or you know, whatever it was, um, was all sort of protest uh, it's all protest stuff. Um, yeah. but very often I'd sort of feel sort of lost because I wouldn't exactly be able to point 
the things I could point to were like these infuriating sort of micro-truths around, you know, U.S. foreign policy and previous domestic policy and, you know, sort of subtler sort of ways um, that you really couldn't, you couldn't just point to a big chunk of thing and be like, that, that's what we're, you know, that's why I'm, that's why I'm upset. Um, and then now all of a sudden it's like, okay, the cat's out of the bag and, and it turns out I was right. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> and now there's actually, there actually is this thing that's at the surface that um, we can very easily sort of respond to and people will know exactly what we're doing. And I think, you know, like that Nina Simone quote, if you're, I think as artists, we always, I think we do two things, right? We reflect our reality and we provide sometimes a surreality or, you know, an escape, a momentary escape. Mm -hmm. And it does mm -hmm. the, we do those both things. And, and sometimes we, you know, we, 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 we do both at once with sci-fi, for instance, or, uh, um, whatever it is. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm excited to see what comes. Yeah. Well, good. I, you also, uh, besides standing rock, you also just got back from touring, uh, South America, right? You guys, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was first time in, in first time in Brazil. First time in Brazil. Was it all in Brazil? Yeah. All your shows in Brazil? Or did you go around? No, I just been to the others before. Um, yeah. But uh, gotcha. yeah, I found myself in Brazil, and it was uh, much to my delight. Yeah, what a what a place, man. Um, yeah. And what you know, it was it was <laughs> just going on Trump again. We ended up in one of my favorite places in the world, in Mexico City, called um, <clears throat> Plaza Garibaldi, which is this uh, gigantic plaza where about 60 different mariachi bands all compete for your attention um, uh -huh. all at once. And it's like four in the morning and everyone's drunk on tequila and it's all outdoors and they're, you know, just these 60 little pockets of total, like, you know, in order to hear one, you have to get really close because otherwise you hear the other ones drifting in. And, and one of the bands, this charming, charming, like older group, um, someone in the know asked them for a specific request and they started laughing and they dove right into it and it was a song about Trump. They already have uh, folk songs about Trump and it was yeah. it was so good. Everyone was dying. I mean, it was the funniest, um, most rad, irreverent, uh, comedic um, thing and uh, had everyone sort of rolling on the floor and, you know, and out of all that, you know, so this amazing sort of form of entertainment and uh, mockery. And I, I really think that sometimes, you know, remember, remember when when uh, when Colbert roasted Bush. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. At, at the correspondence dinner, yeah. 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 Um, and I don't know. I re I'll never forget watching that for the first time. Just being like, wow, it's just. This is the most powerful, and I guess it's really satire that sort of really does it, drives it home. But um, it is, and, it's, and it's clearly much. it would be a it'd be a good time to try it if you want to get a if you want to rankle someone because this guy <laughs> this guy <laughs> yeah. can't he can't take it. 
it may be the really thing that drives him crazy. You know, I, I know, is, I know. Uh, it's pretty incredible. I've I've yeah. wondered in the past about satires, like you're talking about. Um, you're talking about art and what it, how it can um, create. It reflects reality, uh, but it also has a, a surreal quality, and and can provide that his escape as well. And I wondered if satire um, doesn't actually pacify us to some degree. If you you because you lose sometimes after you laugh, you have that cathartic laughter, and you lose some of the anger that might have pushed you to, to do something. <laughs> you know, that's funny. I think about the same thing. I, I think about that also with regard to uh, online uh, vitriol, like uh, oh, sure. an online response. Um, yeah, it's like man, maybe we should keep it all pent up and wait until right. we actually do something in the real world because I, I feel like everyone's getting their rocks off and then, yeah, letting so much steam out of their tanks that they might not feel like yeah. they actually have to do something because they already did so much online, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, and they do it in an echo chamber, too, you know? Yeah, uh, and in an echo I'm chamber, a- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny about laughing, it's like, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. I'm a big fan of anger, you know, uh, and discomfort. Yeah. Just just discomfort is always um, the penultimate to change, right? Like you you don't really change yeah. anything unless you're uncomfortable with the, something that's going on in the present. Um, right. And uh, and yeah, <laughs> maybe we ought to establish that for 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 the next four years, no laughter. Uh, we, get shit done. <laughs> we will all, I'll, I'll have a tumor. I, I will have a tumor <laughs> if we do have a four years, but I, but I, I think discomfort is a great word. I think that, you know, I, I think that as maybe that's personally going to be a goal of mine in this, in the next book that I'm working on is to bring, you know, is to write about a subject, you know, to incorporate certain things into the work that, that, uh, that not everybody's going to be all right with. and might poke and prod right. a little bit more. Right, right. Yeah, because it's helpful. It's helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, because eventually we all want to be monks on a mountain, not able to be discomforted by anything, right? So that means we have right. to confront, we have to be able to sort of confront and parse and reckon with whatever it is that, the things that are making us uncomfortable, I suppose. Um, yeah. It's so fucking yeah. weird that we have, you know, we just hold up. We have, we now celebrate though the exact opposite, right? We just elected a president who's the precise opposite of a monk on a mountain, you know. Uh, right. And, and, right. And you know, so you know, much of the. Maybe it's so the, that we can. <laughs> maybe it's so we can uh, put up with them. I like, like, see. Okay, we'll see if we can. You know, it's like I was in a terrible, terrible relationship at one point, and I remember thinking during it, I'm not going to break up with this person because mm-hmm. I want to see if I can take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Where are you at now? You in a re- You have a relationship now? Uh, no, so, I, I mean, yeah, but no, uh, me and my kid's mother, uh, broke up about 10 months ago, 
but mm-hmm. has remained so close and integrated into our lives in such a sort of meshy way that uh, I would almost say that, that yes, you know, my partner in so many um, meanings of the word. Uh, but no, I'm a, I'm a single guy, so you know it's it's kind of interesting yeah. to wake up to your own your own wake up to the world and 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 sort of as a single dude, you know, suddenly yeah. in Brazil, you know, or or uh, yeah. you know, like suddenly sort of expecting yourself to behave like a single guy. But I think that for me, it's a bit now having a kid. Um, it's a bit different. I don't have I don't feel that biological sort of um, imperative uh, yeah. drive, driving me to sort of like completely completely fall for someone, which I think was right. a lot of the drive before. It was just like, you know, some sort of biological rep- reproduction situation. Right, right. How old's your kid? She's four and a half. She's four and a half. Uh, you got any kids? Wait, yeah, you, yeah, do. you have a kid, right? I have, yeah, he's a... Uh, He's eight months old. Uh, I have a stepdaughter as well, who's sixteen. So, I, and oh, wow. uh, she's actually um, how I met my wife. I was uh, working part time while I was in grad school up there. I was working at the school that she was at. So I like, I uh, found a, a hot mom. To <laughs> so I've known. So, <laughs> that is so great. That's so fun. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's sort of that's sort of depicted in the book a little bit, isn't it? Uh, I no, like no. Those relationships are kind of percolating in the book. Right, right. Yeah, that may be. You got that. that. Be. You, you you had me nervous that you were going to fall for the young kid, you know? Oh god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was, uh, you know, I I think that character was nervous at moments by the proximity and age there. Um, realizing in certain moments, like, you know, I feel like you feel as a 23 or 24 year old working with teenagers, like you're, you know, like you're, there's a large gap. There's a lot of emotional growth there and life experience. And at the same time, it's only six years, really. Um, <laughs> I, know. I know. I know. That's funny. No, I remember I, that's one aspect of the the book that like really bore itself right into my heart and like made me squirm because you never hit the nail on the head and it was never really fully expressed but it was there as this like total red button and uh, right. I don't know it was really 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 effective because I think that it's I don't know it's, it's very truthful in a lot of ways it's yeah. like as a boy I think you having a boy you, you kind of kind of got away with something there I think I think the you know, yeah. if, I had a, if I had a boy, it's like that old thing is like cheering your boy on to do sort of that raucous that that's denigrating right. society because it's sort of macho right. and and cute. Um, yeah, yeah, like playing with guns yeah. and nerf, nope. you know, being tough. And it's interesting. That's basically the toxic, why we like LA. the toxic masculinity. That we're, well, a little more right. tuned to that. Yeah, no, that is why we left LA, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, this he's gonna be a righteous feminist. He's uh, uh he's, awesome. he's he's getting 
He's getting inculcated in a different way. No, no choice in the matter. (laughs) I mean, I suppose he had, we did, I did grow up with a girl whose father was a a photographer in the 60s, like a great, really sweet hippie who uh, um, actually was like shot a lot of Woodstock and stuff. And um, she like wanted to go to Notre Dame and wear a, a uniform and then she moved to texas later and married a guy in the navy it was like just wow. went completely full bore the opposite direction wow yeah it was wild but uh but i i can't i can't raise him with the fear that he'll go he'll move to the right <laughs> i don't you know the right gets more and more absurd at this point anyway. I don't think there's any really anything appealing left there anymore. I think I think I think everyone's gonna be gay soon and uh you oh, know, right. for our own survival. <laughs> um yeah. I think that you know, that's a really neat way to sort of cut down on uh on reproduction. Um so that, was, that would make sense. This <laughs> is a really fun and easy way. Um yeah. I mean, most of, you know, most of, well, like half of, of my daughter's uh, extended family and, and inner family are, are gay. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's coming down the, uh, the genetic pike uh, yeah. for, for my fam. Yeah. 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 I think it's good. I think it's really good. I'm tired of yeah, being like great. a standalone macho, macho dude. Like, you know, I need to be feminized. I need to be softened yeah. up. Yeah, I think if I had a son, I'd be a mess right now. I'd just be like John Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, another another bit from Standing Rock. I heard uh, one of the, in one of the Democracy Now videos. I guess uh, a water protector talking about us all getting in touch with our indigenous femininity. Oh, nice. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought it was, there was a couple words that made me pause. Be like, yep. That's yep. that's precisely it, and Mother just need to be in a, yeah. in a culture that can even hear that without giggling or laughing. You know, I know, um, I know. It's so good. I know giggling or laughing. Yeah. I think we're of yeah. the, of a we're of a generation that still sort of shirks earnest earnestness, um, yeah. and, and is yeah. uncomfortable with it. But I, I've noticed yeah. that the younger generations are so much more pure than we are. And um, yeah. and have no problem tr- problem embracing like obvious truths in a fairly right. what we would almost qualify as like an earnest manner like uh, you know just without mm-hmm. pretense whatsoever just like smiling and hugging and saying I love you right away <laughs> just shit that like yeah. you know like these young kids are really teaching me um, yeah. they just they just feel like they're somehow more advanced. Um, and do you think? Women, do you think? Like, do you see that everywhere? Do you see that? Like, you know, you're in New Orleans now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I no, mean, I see you, that basically everywhere, except in, except in the hood with dudes where they still actually like they actually still have to act tough, or else you know, right? Like things are at stake. Um, yeah. But yeah, wherever there's like a degree of comfort layered on top of society, um, I feel like I'm seeing that ev- everywhere I go. Yeah, it's it's right. it's pretty interesting, um, yeah. and all the sort of irony and all those years it took to learn the language of irony and irreverence, like sort of 
are useless to me now um, yeah. in those contexts. They don't even really speak it. You start like making some sarcastic joke and laughing, and they look at you like, "What are you even talking about?" Um, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't attribute it to their youth. I attribute it to their purity. Like just they're yeah. they're like they're like better. They're, they're better models. Yeah. <laughs> that's a you that's know, that's I mean, really hopeful place to I arrive at. I, think so I, too, I, man. I really and I really hope you know I I just think there's the you know the Trump and his administration is an opportunity and it's also terrifying because the schools you know for for something the things that are going to be happening right now in our schools is is that we move towards privatization and and charters and and vouchers and 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 public education is just going to be like where we warehouse the poor like i i i hope right. that we're able to still like that that doesn't happen so rapidly that um that people get that young people get disconnected from that that that's that's somewhere that we can something that we can uh you know hope to to cultivate and in a, a wider swath of our young. You know, I mean, we took Eartha out of school. Um, and granted, she's only four, so uh -huh. I'm being a little, a little overly sort of preemptive, but she was already learning really bad shit at school. Yeah. Um, learning how to be racist, learning how to be sexist. Um, yeah. And, uh, and it was really discouraging. So we took her out and then, hate to drop the Michael Moore bomb on us right now, but did you see the, the bit where he compares the English and Finland school systems and his most recent thing? No, I didn't. Uh, so it's like, so basically Finland and, and, and the States were neck and neck 27, 28th in the world up until yeah. a decade ago when all of a sudden Finland shot to number one. Um, yeah. And he went to go figure out why it is that Finland became the most, you know, uh, uh, just churning out the smartest kids in the world, and uh, yeah. it's they decided to some, just throw a hail mary and do the opposite of what they thought they were supposed to do. So they they cut the school day to four hours, mm -hmm. and they took homework. Uh, so yes. no homework and a whole lot less school, and all of a sudden their kids are like, you know, infinitely. That's bright. it. I mean, you have happy kids. Happy exactly. kids can absorb, you know, they, they, happy kids with space to be creative and imagine things. Yeah. Um, you know, seems like there's room the, for like little co-ops of schooling where we could start doing this. With that's kids, it. You know, I mean, that's it. That's, that's, that's where I, we got to organize and get together and, and, yeah. uh, and create those spaces for our children. Um, but yeah, so that's what we're, that's what we're doing right now. And, uh, and it's really cool, man. You know, just to like, are you organizing with other parents then? Or are you, well, that hasn't started school yet. for a while. I'm trying to lure other parents into it. Um, yeah. and convince them, you know, they're sort of New Orleans doesn't have the most adventuresome sort of parental base. Uh, there's definitely yeah. like some hipster parents that, that like you right. can convince, but you'd be surprised. Well, you wouldn't be surprised. A lot of like progressive hipster, you know, like culture isn't terribly adventuresome when it ends up coming down to it. 
uh, especially with yeah. something like, you know, and they can get fairly um, competitive around where their kids are going to school um, yeah. and want their kids to be going to like, I mean, actually it makes perfect sense, like going to the hippest school. Um, right. And so, so yeah, they're trying to send their kids to the hippest school, not to like, you know, not put, not, you know, not take on the burden of like schooling them themselves or finding someone. But yeah, I'm trying. I mean, I think that it's, I think it's a really, really cool idea. Um, and I think that there's way, things we can do to supplant college in similar, similar ways, just by grouping like-minded smart kids together to live in houses for free where the tuition is, right. you know, a, a chunk of, you know, like a, like a 10% chunk of whatever projects are developed during the time that they stay there for four years, but otherwise there's no curriculum and they just get yeah. a free, free room and board and a chance to, uh, to invent or whatever. I don't know. I just think there's cool alternatives that we could, there will be forced to explore. I mean, you know, I think it's oh, a cool we're, we're going to be forced to explore. I'm, I, I'm, you know, we're not going to pay $300,000 for, for my son's college and I don't right. who the fuck knows what it, it, at this at this rate it would be a million by the time he got there. Right, <laughs> it's crazy, isn't Oakwood? Yeah. Oakwood is like Oakwood's Oakwood like 30 starts grand kindergarten. The, the kindergarten I think starts at thirty grand. I mean it's some what? You know, it's, yeah. Oh <laughs> Can you imagine oh doing thirteen God. years of that? It's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that is outrageous. Yeah. Now I don't even know if they know how detrimental that is. Like that position is to society. Like to totally make it only like an exclusive experience for just rich kids is. Um, yeah. It's not something you want either. You know. So. No, it's not. It's not. And that was the danger still of you know Hillary Clinton or something like that. You just continue yes. moving yes. in that direction. It's a yes. slower death, but it's a, it's a death. You know. It's, yes. Yeah. Neoliberalism and it was it was all headed in the same direction. We've accelerated it, and then it's terrifying. But you know, I, there's opportunity now in that terror. To, yes, you know. I've never been around people so amped up, turned on, and, yeah. and dropped yeah. in uh, in my life. Man, it's never been like this. This is this is a, this is good. You know, I mean, yeah. it's a shame it came to this, but. It's better than yeah. the incrementalism that you were describing because I think that's just a slow death, as you said, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Here we actually have a chance. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, the last, I, I know I'm, I got to wrap up in a second. This, I, yeah. I'm really thankful that you spent all this time here. Uh, it was great. Yeah, talking likewise, with you. I'm having a fun. I'm having fun. Yeah. I, I just, I think that, uh, you know, I feel like people were expecting. <laughs> It was like the end, like, and the end times weren't going to resemble what they did. You know, it was going to, whatever, if bad things were coming, it was going to be loud and big. And, and, but we slipped past like that 400 parts per million carbon in the atmosphere. You know, it's like we, we've already, we quietly went past some points of no return and nobody said shit. And, and that was, that was horrifying to me. So, like, now we're confronted with a real horror that everybody can recognize. And, um, you know, like I said, I know it's really dangerous and, and scary, but um, 
and hopefully we can we can start building you know do some real work now yeah I and make so, people make I people mean, uncomfortable make people keep making yeah, people, uncomfortable people uncomfortable with art well alex man um yeah it's great talking to you thank you so much you for too, Zach. Uh, for yeah. joining me today and uh Can't wait next to read time can you write man oh thank you thank you yeah. i know yeah that was a pleasure. Next time our paths cross, you know, maybe maybe another LA chimney sweep drink somewhere down the road. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be totally down to revisit that. That'd be fun. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, all right, man. All right, cool, man. Uh, cheers. Yeah.